0: charles manson and many more we add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our instagram at cult collectibles so visit us on the web at cult today hi this is jonathan doe and you're listening to sick on cinema
1: So I guess to start, just thank you for coming back on. And uh, since the last time we talked, Barf Bunny hadn't come out just yet, and now it's been out. What's the reception been like for Barf Bunny?
0: Uh, It's been really good. It's it's exactly how I kind of thought it would be. I thought the film was going to be divisive. I think people were either going to like it or hate it, and that's exactly how it is. People either love the movie and think it's like, people have made comments like, oh, it's my the best movie of 2021 in their, in their opinion. And then the other people are like, this is just some fucking stupid Lucifer Valentine bullshit. You know, like if you go on a, if you go on a letterbox, it's like exactly that people are either like thinking, praising the film and thinking it's awesome and a classic, or they're saying this is dog shit. <laughs> and,
1: uh,
0: I mean, I think that, I think that's, that's good. You know, I knew that people were going to love it or hate it. And I'm, I'm glad that there's both out there, you know? So it's pretty cool. It's been re- really uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, any film with like an impact, you want to have that kind of divisive fan base
1: because that like adds to its lore almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I saw, didn't somebody do like an eating challenge to it or something like that? Yeah,
0: a guy actually, uh, his YouTube channel is called, oh, man, Walter Jones and for movies. And it's a pretty small channel but he did a food challenge and so he ate the food that all the food that Felicia ate in the film he ate too and uh and just kind of went in watching to see if he could do that and I would really love for something like that to happen like it would be awesome for Barf Bunny to become the next like two girls one cup challenge and people could do reactions or whatever I think that'd be a lot of fun so that's that that's my my fingers crossed hope something like that would happen that'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it becomes like a dare film, almost.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, can you watch it? <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> so in pretty quick succession, you, uh, you dropped Degenerates. Where did the ideal come from? Like, I know it's basically a true crime, but what was the ideal behind creating the Degenerates?
0: Uh, well, Barf Bunny was shot in two different parts. And the reason for that was we couldn't get everybody together all at once. So uh, at the beginning of the year, I met, I flew out to Chicago and got a hotel room and we shot the first half of Barf Bunny with Felicia, uh, the vomit scenes. But then two months later, I was going to have to fly back out to Chicago and go back to the same hotel and shoot the gore scenes with Marcus and Jesse. And in order to create the set for Barf Bunny, We had to, because it was a hotel room, we had to move all this furniture from one side of the room to the other. And I deliberately kind of picked kind of a seedy hotel that I knew uh, we wouldn't get bothered for making vomiting sounds and being gross and doing all this kind of shit. So it already looked like kind of a gross hotel room. But then when we moved all the furniture, we basically thrashed the whole fucking thing. And there was one part of the room where we had this really colorful, vibrant set. And then the other part of the room just looked destroyed. And when when we did that with Felicia, the first the first time I was out there, I was like, this hotel room in itself looks like it could be a set for a movie. And I remember thinking like, uh, "That that's interesting. And then when I knew that I was going to go back out to Chicago and I was going to have Marcus and Jesse with me, I was like. Why not make another movie? And uh, uh, back in t- the tail end of 2020, I had market or I had James Bell make me a corpse for a project that I was working on, and that project ended up falling through. And so I just had this corpse kind of like making taking up space in my closet. And I was like, well, I've got this corpse and I'm gonna go back out to Chicago and we're gonna have this fucked up hotel room. Like what could I do with that? And Felicia and I were planning on doing a dark tourism road trip. Uh, to promote the the completion of Barf Bunny. And so I really had like dark tourism on my mind. And uh, I just thought like, okay, I've got Felicia, I've got this corpse, I've got this hotel room, like what can we do with that? And then I was like, well, I could act. And then I thought of the Robert Beckowitz case. And for people who are listening who aren't really familiar with the Robert Beckowitz case, back in 1982, there was this guy named Robert Beckowitz. And he, he I don't know if his girlfriend lived with him or not, but he had this girlfriend named Janine Lynn Clark, and uh, and she, uh, her, they had a friend come over named James Glover, and James Glover ended up shooting and killing Robert, and we come to find out that Janine and James were having an affair with each other. And they bas- basically, after killing Robert, go on this, like, three-day-long, drug-fueled fucked up weird orgy thing with this corpse and cut up his body and take photographs with it and all this kind of stuff and so uh, and what makes the case famous is they were taking photographs with the corpse and uh, those photographs got leaked to the public and you can go to like the museum of death in Hollywood and you can see these photographs and they're pretty nasty and so that's kind of the inspiration that came when it came to the degenerates was that Felicia and I would kind of play a similar role of of not specifically uh, Janine and James, but similar to that. And that we too are on this drug-fueled honeymoon together taking photographs and fucking around with this corpse too. So that's kind of where the inspiration came from. And um,
1: like with Bark Money, it was kind of your love letter to like the Japanese fetish films. This one's more like a love letter to like the pseudo-snuff footage genre what were some of the influences uh, as far as like films go? Like an August underground was a big one, but was there any other ones that kind of like inspired the look and feel of the movie?
0: Yeah. I've been a huge fan of just found footage and pseudo snuff since I saw the Blair witch project back in 1999. And uh, I've always wanted to make something like that. Um, And so, yeah, August underground was definitely a big influence Uh films like man bites dog was a big influence. I, I actually think that that, played uh, because man bites a dog as much as it has disturbing scenes also you're centered around this very interesting character and so that's kind of how I wanted um, Felicia and I's character to be that yeah we're doing these abhorrent and terrible things but we're also kind of funny and just these kind of goofy characters that you're paying attention to as well. Um, I was also really inspired by uh, the American guinea pig film bouquet of guts and gore uh, and then as well as like the film, like Muzani and, and, uh, some of the themes associated with that. So uh, I definitely was influenced by those films and I kind of tried to give my homage and my tilt of the hat to those, uh, those genre films that really, uh, inspired me similar to what I did with, with Barf Bunny and just tried. I want every film within the erotic grotesque nonsense series to be kind of a, an homage to a subgenre that I admire. So, so definitely uh that's what we did with The Degenerates. And one thing that was really important to me was I really wanted it to be, to feel authentic because uh everyone and their brother can make a, f- a found footage film, you know, um, and it's very easy for someone to just record some shit on their cell phone and then throw a filter over it and make it look like it's a VHS tape, but we wanted it to be as authentic as possible. So we shot the entire thing on uh, on VHS, and then we degraded the film using VHS tapes. Um, so we didn't, aside from editing the film digitally, when it came to shooting and degrading the film, we did it uh, the way that you would do it if you were making a third generation bootleg. So that was pretty cool.
2: Um- Going back to the Robert Beckwith's crime just to, just to a little bit, what was the first time you heard about that? Because I think the first time I heard about it was through the first Traces of Death. They mentioned it a little bit.
0: Uh, I had first heard of it and through watching some sort of shockumentary film from the 90s. It could have been Traces of Death. I don't remember uh, which which one it was, um, but I remember that's the the first time I had ever heard of it was through that and then I went to the Museum of Death and and saw the photos that they had on display there. And I was like, man, this is really interesting. But I hadn't really remembered the case. But then I was uh, there's a there's a grindcore band called Fluids and they had a t-shirt. Uh, they had a t-shirt with Janine Clark holding his head. And I was like, that shirt is so fucking badass. And I wanted to buy that t-shirt, but it was sold out. And I couldn't remember the name of the case. And so I like screenshotted their the shirt. And I was like, what is the what is the name of this case? And everyone told me it was uh, the Robert Beckowitz case. So then I like looked it up. And that's that's kind of like what really t- triggered that uh, that case in my mind was seeing that t-shirt. And I was like, okay. And, th- and then that's kind of where we got into the direction of actually making a movie about it was from the fluids t-shirt which is cool because fluids is a pretty gnarly band so uh i like that i was inspired to make a film based off of some pretty extreme music because i love extreme music too so fluids is a uh very very brutal band (laughs) they're one of the few bands that makes me feel kind of bad listening to it (laughs) real audio
2: footage
0: or real audio of people actually getting murdered and stuff it's pretty fucking (laughs) brutal (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's fucking crazy so one of the things i really loved about the degenerates is in, and i you talked about the special features was that that initial shot like of when you come into the room you kind of talked about like all the, that shot in august underground and this one worked really well too because like you know normal normal you open the door boom you're in this like world and then you're stuck in this world how important was that opening shot and like did you like make sure that it meticulously shooted that it worked perfectly because like I really love that idea of like, you come into this room and then there it is, you know, then now you're stuck with us.
0: Yeah, to me, uh, one of the most iconic scenes within pseudo snuff cinema is the opening scene to the very first August Underground film. And you've got uh, Fred Vogel and and the camera guy out outside shooting the shit, busting each other's balls, just fucking around. And you're you start out watching it like, what is this, you know? And then you watch them walk from outside down downstairs. And as soon as they walk downstairs, this there's this huge shift in uh, the tone of the film. And you see the girl with her fucking nipple cut off and she's tied to this chair. And you're like, holy fuck, this this instantaneously turned into something super uncomfortable. And that's exactly what I wanted to happen with the degenerates is I wanted it to open up with my character walking around through this hotel room. And you're kind of like, what the fuck is going on? You know, it's it's close to like, almost like a minute of me walking around before I finally make it to, I like ride up the elevator and then I finally make it to my room. And as soon as I open the door to my hotel room, you see a flash of the corpse on the ground. And then I call out to Felicia and she comes out of the bathroom holding a severed head and she's naked. And then we start getting into an argument about, like, housekeeping, basically. And that opening scene to me was really important, is I wanted it to have that really startling shift from one one mundane kind of boring uh, part of life, and then all of a sudden I enter this room, and all of a sudden you realize, holy fuck, this is a situation right now. And I wanted to establish right away... Kind of the tone of the film and and kind of establish Felicia and I as characters that both of us are not fucked up about this whole thing. We're not scared. We're literally just arguing with each other like any typical couple. Like, hey man, you didn't do the laundry, you know? Like, we're, we're arguing about like housekeeping kind of shit. And uh, I wanted to show that like the this is almost like run of the mill for us. Like, we never. It's never specifically said that we've done this before, but the way that we're acting about it is as if this is fairly normal for us. And so I wanted to establish our characters as being these bad people almost right out the gate. So that opening scene was very, very important to me, both in the fact that I wanted to give an homage to Fred Vogel, but also uh, to just kind of establish my film uh, right out the gate, too.
2: Another thing I think is very interesting is we were going through the special features on the disc, and he um, said, like, a lot of this film is uh, improv. So I've, that's very commendable, for one. And two, like, what was the process of going about that?
0: Um, so even though, like, the, a lot of the dialogue and things like that is improvised, um the scenes themselves were very very structured and organized um so we had so felicia and i uh i basically got the idea and i wrote down a whole bunch of scenes and proposed them to felicia and, and wanted to know what she was comfortable doing what she wasn't comfortable doing she was down to do everything and then we just put down kind of like we kind of wrote out the narrative and where where our what the direction our characters were going to go into and stuff and there were specific like I don't know if I'd call them lines, but like cues or statements that our characters would say that would uh, put a scene in a certain direction. But aside from that, we were just kind of improvising. So uh, like the beginning of the film, I walk. the very first thing I say is, dude, where are you? And that was the cue to have Felicia walk out of the bathroom. And then her line was, I thought he needed a haircut. And then aside from that, we just knew that both of us were going to argue with each other and that we were going to, uh, I was going to, we were going to argue and she was going to have my character cave by being like, come on, let's hang out. Let's play more, you know? And that was going to, I was eventually going to give up and be like, fine. Yeah, we can, we can hang out or whatever. But that's about the extent of the dialogue that we had. And then the rest of that was, we were just kind of played off of each other and there's a movement Uh, that was around during I think like the early 2000s called Mumblecore, which are indie films um, that have nothing to do with horror. They're kind of like indie comedy films. And a lot of the dialogue in those kind of films are uh, improvised too. And I think uh, it's a very smart trick as an indie filmmaker to have people do improvised dialogue, because there's two challenges that I think happen when you start with filmmaking. One is um, there's not a guarantee that, that a person is a good writer in terms of writing dialogue. Um, so, And then the other thing is you can't guarantee that you're going to get an, a good actor. So you might be great at writing dialogue, but if you have an actor who sucks at, sucks at acting, then it's going to seem amateurish or you could have a great actor and you're a bad, you're bad at writing dialogue. It doesn't feel natural. Um, and so you could have a great actor, but it's still going to come off as amateurish because you're not a great, uh, writer. And I, uh, I don't know if I'm a great writer in terms of dialogue. Um, and, and especially with the kind of films that we're making, I'm not, I'm not hiring professional actors I think that Felicia is an amazing actress she does she does a great job but I think that we can get away with things a lot more if we improvise um and it just comes off so much more natural and organic and that's especially when it came to the degenerates that was really important because I wanted the degenerates to feel like you are watching this couple's honeymoon video you know I wanted it to feel very uh very natural, like something that was shot for ourselves, and it wasn't really meant for anyone else to see. And so uh, that's kind of a trick that I'm gonna probably use in my films forever. Is I really like I really like the the improv that I have in my films. It, I think it gives it a, its own little kind of charm to it. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of acting, you're the
1: second lead in the film as well as the director some of the challenges of being an actor in the film as well as being the director of the film. Um, <clears throat>
0: yeah, it was a, uh, I definitely uh, prefer to be the director. <laughs> I don't really like being in front of the camera, um, but I, I did think that there was kind of a positivity to that because I really, it allowed me to kind of have control over the scenes and control over how I wanted things to look and act and there was kind of a benefit to me being able to uh to both be in charge of cinematography and shoot the film the way I wanted it to be but also interact with Felicia the way that I would want uh her partner to interact with her and uh so I did like that I had that kind of control element to it um but one of the reasons why uh, I went in the direction that I did was just it's cheaper for me to to act in it than to hire another actor. <laughs> but uh, I definitely in the future like uh, I don't know, it just it, it basically comes down to just circumstance. uh, I wouldn't say that I like love acting. I don't think I would ever like just go be an actor in someone else's film unless they really wanted me to or something like that, but uh, I really prefer. Doing the directing aspect, but in terms of the, degen- the, the degenerates, I really did think that there was a a, pos- a benefit to me acting as well as doing the cinematography and directing at the same time. So, I hope my performance comes off as believable. <laughs> yeah, no absolutely. You two have a very natural chemistry, which I really like.
1: And Felicia's character is like, I don't know what time she feels like the driving force. Like, like your character is almost like, well, let's wrap this up, and she's the one's like, no, 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 let's keep doing this was there any like motivation you gave her anybody in particular you kind of told her to study or anything or like that? was that just her
0: uh I usually give Felicia kind of like uh a general overview of what I expect from her character or kind of like what I what what I want and so like with barf bunny I told her I was like you're this really bratty bunny and you and you, are, you know that you're being naughty and you know that like no one's watching and so you're gonna try to get away with as much as you can. And with uh, The Degenerates, what I said, the kind of relationship that our characters have is she's kind of a diva and she's kind of a brat and she kind of wants to be the star of the show. And I'm her husband who just loves watching her and I love filming her and I kind of have this voyeurism uh, in the relationship, I really like to uh, just watch her and 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 film her, and that's kind of the relationship that we have. That she loves being in front of the camera, and I love filming her, and that's kind of the direction that we went into. Is that my character was going to have more kind of a backseat voyeuristic role in terms of everything, and that she was just going to love being filmed, love getting all the attention that she could, and kind of performing for her partner. And that's kind of the direction that we went into. And that's why you don't really see me that much, much in it. And I mostly am just sitting there taking pictures of my my babe that I have, you know. So that's kind of when we talked about uh, the motivations of our characters. That's what what we decided on.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the film hinges on the, that corpse, which looks amazing by James Bell. How did you get to know James Bell and how did you get to start working with him?
0: Uh, I was just kind of a fan of James. Uh, I had seen uh, a lot of his films. Um, I, had, I had collected a lot of them. And I ended up writing to him and uh, asking him if he did cus- custom work. Because he because start- I saw on his website that he was selling like props and things like that. And so uh, when I started working on my entry in Symbolicus Volume 1, um, I told him that I needed some stuff made and I needed he he would he sold like these little fetuses on his website. So I told him I was like, I need like 25 fetuses. And then I asked him, like, do you do custom work? And he said, Yeah. And so I had him make me three different masks. He made me the vagina mask that uh, Mother Nature wears that Jessica Murphy wears in Symbolicus. Um, but then I had him make me also just a cut, I just I think the very first thing I ever had him made was just a mask, and I said. Just do whatever you wanna do. And that's the mask that I wear in my profile picture that you see the girl uh, wearing in the beginning of my uh, YouTube channel, Cinema's Underbelly. Um, And that's become kind of like the Putrid Productions mascot. And that's what James made for me the very first thing that he made. But he made the vagina mask and then he made me another mask. And um, then I asked him like, would you be able to make me a, a full on corpse? And he's like, yeah, definitely. And, uh, initially I had him make the corpse for another film that I was working on. Um, and so he's, he made, he made the whole corpse for me and it was really realistic, looked really, really good. Um, and so I really like working with him. I think he's an amazing effects artist and he's really, uh, I don't know, he's just, he's just a professional and he does an awesome job. And I've never, we live on opposite sides of the country, so I've never met him in person, but. I feel like him and I have a really good relationship at this point and he's just, he's just a pro at his craft. So he's a cool guy.
1: Yeah. His effects have come so far too. Like from like manure to now, it's kind of incredible to see like his progression as an artist. And when it comes to like filming effects, like what is the challenges, like how is it to like film around this like whole prosthetic body? Like, is it trying to make sure you don't get too close? Things like that. Like what is the what is it going to film in something that's so effects heavy? Uh
0: there was <clears throat> the thing that was important to me was making sure that it felt believable and and uh because there were some limitations with the corpse, like the corpse is fairly stiff. Um at the wrists of the arms, they're flexible and stuff. Uh, but generally like at the joints where the knees are and stuff, it's not very flexible. And so I had to tell Felicia, like pick up this corpse and hold it in certain ways where it looks like it's kind of fought, like bending at your arms or the way that you're holding it. So it looks like it's loose and it looks like it's malleable um, because if you pick it up and hold it a certain way, it's going to look stiff and it's going to look fake. And so the way that we had, we had to be very specific on how we lifted the corpse and held different body parts to make sure that we didn't give away the magic trick that these these are fake props because that was one thing that I was really I mean you watch the film and it looks like two people are actually fucking around with body parts but we were picking up basically fucking around with a mannequin you know and so we wanted to to give off with how we how we handled everything to make it look like we're really picking up these body parts and there's parts where Felicia makes statements like, oh, it's, this is so heavy. Uh, the corpse really was, the torso was fairly heavy, but the arms and legs and the head were not, were not that heavy. And so we, I really wanted to make sure like, like a human head is like over 10 pounds, you know? So, so I said like, interact with this, like you're holding a gallon of milk, you know, like, <clears throat> you know, so, um, that was something that was important. And then the advantage that I had is I shot it on VHS and I knew I was going to degrade it even more. So there's a couple uh, like areas on, on the corpse where there's seams, but I think that it got h- hidden pretty well um, with the fact that that the footage is degraded and also that we used a lot of blood and guts and stuff on it. So it got covered up. So it was really just kind of like handling everything. uh and perform and presenting it and performing it in a way that made it look like we were actually dealing with body parts, even though it was kind of, I don't know, like <clears throat> it's, it's funny. Cause when you're actually shooting it, you know, like, you know, when you're touching it, that it feels rubbery, <laughs> you know, it feels like silicone, but, uh, but I feel like I hope that we pulled like presented it in a way that made it look believable. So. I'm
2: um, staying with the effects for a second. the, the VHS stuff, like you said, you filmed it on VHS and degraded. What was the process of of doing that stuff? Because that's also a very strong element for me personally, as someone who works in like graphic design work and stuff like that. So I love the aesthetic of,
0: you know, degrading VHS. So
2: like, how how Uh, was
0: that done? So we shot the film with a real VHS camera and then, and we, we did multiple takes for a lot of the scenes, not all of the scenes. Uh, anything that had to do with real bodily fluid, we couldn't do multiple takes on. But uh, like me entering the hotel room, we did multiple takes of that. Um, the tea party scene, we did multiple takes of that. And we would just shoot it all with uh, the camera. and then I And then I digitized it. So I <coughs> took the footage digitized it. And then I edited the film to down to how, how I wanted it to be. And once I had the final edit, I sent it over to Marcus Cook. And then Marcus made a few little tweaks and changes, but then he took the digital file that we had and put it back on a VHS tape. And back in the day, <coughs> when it with tape trading and bootlegging and stuff, The way that people would circulate and trade films was they would get a vhs tape uh this is back in the vhs days before we had like digital files and stuff and you would have two vhs players and you would put in the tape and then you'd put in a blank vhs tape to the other vcr and you would play the film and and record it to the other vcr and when you would do that it would degrade the uh the audio and video because you're making this transfer and when you do that, you made a second generation bootleg, and then say that you that now you have this copy, and your friend's like, "Oh, I want a copy." So you make another you make another copy. You made a copy of the copy, so then you've made a third generation bootleg. And every single time that you do that, you're degrading the audio, you're degrading the video, and yeah, you're making these copies. But by the time uh, you've made a tenth generation bootleg, the color is going to look super whitewashed and faded. The audio is going to sound like crap. And basically nowadays, if you uh, buy a bootleg DVD or, or, or download a file of something and it looks like that, you're, you're in possession of an old multi-generation bootleg of something. And that's how I wanted the degenerates to look. And so <laughs> once Marcus... Uh, took the edited film and put it on VHS he did that process and he played the film and made a copy of it and then took that copy and made another copy of it using legit VHS tapes the old traditional process that we did and so he did that several times and I think he made a third or fourth generation legit bootleg of the film and then took that third generation third or fourth generation and put it digitized it back and then sent that to me and that was the finished product of the film. And so we didn't use after effects we didn't use uh filters we legitimately legitimately shot the film using a vhs camera and then we using vhs tapes made a legitimate third or fourth generation bootleg and that is the finished uh aesthetic and look of the film. That's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really cool too cuz about the uh the
1: the tape to tape thing you really don't know how it's going to look when it's done so that, like it's really cool that you like went by it like the old school way of doing it I really like that. that's really cool
0: <laughs> yeah there's a couple of parts where like where it literally gets like crunchy and like the footage gets all fucked up and like that's what the tape did you know mm-hmm. we, didn't, we didn't specifically put it there like that's what happened when we did it over and over is that's what so that's what I really like about it is Everything about the film is practical, like the, the special effects as we use practical special effects. And uh, when it came to degrading the film, we did it legitimately and practically. And so there's no CGI, there's no filters, there's no whatever. It's as true to a legit found footage thing that you can find minus actually murdering someone. So,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what has been the reception to the degenerates uh, since it's come out? It's actually been really, really uh, good so far. Um, people have really liked it a lot. A lot of people are are putting it on par with um, bouquet of guts and gore and uh, and uh, August Underground, which is a crazy thing for me to hear because, like, to me, August Underground is just like on a god level. You know, I can't, <clears throat> I can't even. It's hard for me to believe that the Degenerates is even close to that those films but it's a major compliment and um and I mean I think that I I definitely wanted to make something that complemented the genre because I do think that found footage and pseudo snuff is bloated and everybody and their brothers fucking made one and I wanted to make something and bring something new to the table and I wanted to uh give it my all and and I deliberately got people involved that I knew were gonna do a good job, like James Bell and and get Marcus Cook and Jesse Sites. I mean, Marcus did the effects for Bouquet of Guts and Gore, you know. So I wanted to take people who were directly involved in some of the legendary films within Pseudo Snuff Cinema and have them be a part of this project too. So the reception's been really, really good. Uh and uh I don't know, man. I really hope that it becomes kind of, uh, a an entry within the zeitgeist of pseudo snuff and found footage that stands out and isn't another film that gets lost in the sea of, uh, films that people make that I added something that complements the genre and doesn't just regurgitate the same shit over and over again. So, and that seems to be the case. It seems that people are saying this is unique and that this is, uh, something they haven't seen before and that it's, uh, it's gross. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's interesting too, is because like it is a gross and gory film, but there's also a lot of psychological stuff in the film as well. And I think that's what kind of separates the, the the degenerates from Joe Blow's. I shot this because I didn't have money. You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I I definitely wanted to. Uh, I don't know. I I one thing I really love about working with Felicia, she's just all she always brings such so much personality to the screen and I just really and I really think she really did that with the degenerates too like there's just lines people people are that's one thing people are saying that uh there's there's like an element of humor that I've been in the first two erotic grotesque nonsense entries and uh I really wasn't planning for the degenerates to be funny but we just kind of ended up I mean Felicia and I are are legit friends so I think that (laughs) we just kind of brought that to the screen because we were just kind of fucking around and having fun making the movie. So that's I'm glad that people can see that too.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, you brought up Man Bot's dog. And I think that's a great comparison. Because though man by dog is very dark and very disturbing, it's also funny. And that makes it more disturbing. I think the degenerates has that too. Like that sense of humor actually adds to the disturbingness of the film.
0: Yeah, it shows that we really don't uh value like we're we really are treating this dead person like just an object for us to play with and have fun with and we're just goofing around like we're fucking around with i don't know (laughs) some a toy or something and uh
1: you know it still is a pretty big tonal shift between Bunny and the degenerates is that something you're gonna try to keep going with throughout the entire series
0: yeah i mean i one of my biggest fears is just being like a one-trick pony and especially the fact that I'm making this series and it all exists within this universe of fetish and gore. I don't want to just make the same movie over and over and over again. I want, I want the erotic grotesque nonsense series to feel like every entry is a different experience. And you know that it's going to contain elements of violence and fetishes and things like that. But every time you watch it, watch a new one you're like what am I in for I don't know what's what's happening next and so I that's what I wanted is I really wanted to show that I have diversity as a filmmaker and that um I'm not just recycling the same thing over and over and over again but that uh I don't know I can bring more to the table than just this just one type of film over and over and over even if it only exists even if it exists within the same kind of subgenre. and so I really love fetish gore, and so I definitely want to, at least with this series, stick with fetish gore, but show that there's a whole lot of different uh, things that can be explored within that genre, and and each film can be its own unique, different experience. Um, and
1: speaking of that, what is next for you? You know, you ain't got to give titles or anything like that, but like, do you have the next one in the series planned?
0: Is there a project outside of the series you're working on? Uh, I do. I I'm in pre-production right now for the third entry in the erotic grotesque nonsense series. Um, and uh, right now we're buying all the stuff we need for it, and we're gonna we're doing location scouting right now. Um, and it's going to be very focused on <clears throat> a specific a specific fetish. Um, and I'm not really ready to like announce what that is yet, but I think people are going to be like, I don't, I think it's something that no one's going to be expecting. I think they're going to be like, well, what the fuck? I think some people might not even know that that fetish exists, um, but it's going to be focused on that. It's also going to start Felicia. Um, we're going to bring some new talent to the table that people aren't familiar with or that hasn't been showcased yet in my work, at least. And, um, that'll be coming out. Later, later in the year um, and then I also have uh, a documentary that I'm flirting with the idea of doing um, so I definitely like love I love the erotic grotesque nonsense series and that's something that I want to keep going but I want to expand uh, in, in my in the future and explore other genres and and deviate away from fetish content because I don't want to just be known as like the fetish guy so I'm looking at documentaries, I'm looking at um, other subgenres within horror, um, so that's kind of the r- direction I'm going in right now, but I think people are going to really like this next entry in the Erotic Grotesque Nonsense series. I'm hoping to make it pretty fucking gross, so. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh, as far as like cinema, Cinemas Underbelly goes, like, can we expect more of that soon, or is that kind of taking a backseat to like the film stuff?
0: uh i took a break i've taken a two-month break from cinemas underbelly uh just to get uh the degenerates out but the degenerates is out and so i'm my that's kind of like i'm not i'm not a new year's resolution guy but my new year's resolution is to get back with cinemas underbelly and get back to a consistent schedule and because i love doing cinemas underbelly and that's really like that's that out of all the work that I've done has such po- such a positive and strong support system with with fans, so I definitely want to get back into it. I didn't I haven't done the second uh, part of my home tour where I talk about my collection. I'm actually like shooting that right now, so that should be coming out within a week. Uh, and then after that, I want to start at least getting stuff out on a biweekly basis, if not a weekly basis. So that's kind of uh, I really want to get back into that, and I've got. Uh, interviews for my podcast lined up again too but I did take a break uh, just to get the degenerates out but now that the dust is settled uh, people are definitely going to be seeing more cinemas underbelly stuff and uh, more uneasy terrain stuff uh, very soon so uh,
2: what is the process for choosing stuff for uh, cinemas underbelly
0: uh, <clears throat> I basically either will uh because i'm like really active on facebook and kind of what's going on with what people are talking about um so if i see that people are talking about a specific film or are really curious about a specific film like people are on or on reddit people go oh has, has someone seen this or has someone seen that um if i have it i'll be like oh i'll do a review of that you know um my, like my most recent review i did for uh the channel 309 series i noticed a lot of people especially like when the iceberg came out everyone was like someone should do a review of channel 309. Can anyone tell me about channel 309? And so I was like, I'll do a video of that because I, I saw, I knew that there was kind of an interest there, at least in the time at that moment. And I was like, there's not really a lot of people talking about this. So I kind of look at what is popular and, and something that people are interested in and people are asking questions about. And I look for things that uh, I kind of look at the landscape of uh, the extreme horror YouTube community and see, like, what are people covering and what are they not covering? And, um, I try not to uh jump on bandwagons, I kind of want to address and talk about things that I know that people are interested in that no one else, no one's touching at that moment, you know, so that I'm like the only guy who has a video out on channel 309 or only has a video out about uh vase Denosis or something like that, you know, that uh, I'm not, I mean, I did that with like. Uh, what is it? Snuff r seventy three, but I thought I brought some some something new to the table. Information that what that didn't exist at least at that point then. So that's kind of my focus is to talk about things that no one else is covering, um, to try to make myself stand out. And then also I will do videos about things that I just personally like them and I think is interesting. But uh, I do like to try to cover topics and films that um that are being discussed, but there isn't someone that's coming to the forefront and providing uh, a video or a detailed analysis on, on it. So that's kind of the direction I go in. Another
2: thing too is I was watching your uh your 5k uh, Q&A video again recently
0: uh-huh.
2: and you mentioned doing a version of cinemas underbelly for you know for the D V D market for um, stuff you can't talk about on YouTube. Uh, is that, is that still a thing that you're considering or no?
0: Yeah, that's something I'm, that's, that's another one of my goals for this year is to get that out. I'm going to be doing reviews of films that, uh, I can't really talk about on YouTube. And the benefit of that is it will allow me to show footage that I can't show on YouTube. And I'm thinking about, uh, covering some pretty crazy stuff. Like people ask me all the time, like, Oh, can you do a review of Goose Milk or could you do a review of, um, I don't know, some, some sort of fetish video or something like that? And I, I, that's what I plan on doing. Like, oh, you want to see a review of Goose Milk? I'll put it on the DVD and then you can actually see footage of it and stuff. Um, but my main thing is I really, I don't know why, but I'm really into intros and I really like the intro that I have for Cinema's Underbelly. And so I want to have an intro uh, for the DVD and I want it to be very erotic and sexually explicit. So right now I'm, I have a couple actresses that I'm talking to and the first thing's gonna be shooting the intro for that. And uh, it's gonna have, I don't know, naked girls covered in blood and puking and all kinds of stuff. So it'll be a kind of a cool intro. So I'm shooting that first and then I'm gonna start doing the different uh, the different reviews for each one, but I'm hoping to have it be, probably around 15 reviews long you buy the dvd and uh it'll, it'll cover a bunch of different crazy stuff um same with like crazy shockumentaries and stuff uh like um, well i don't want to give it give it too much away but i'm going to be reviewing some pretty fucking crazy stuff and basically the dvd is going to be insane because you're going to see real footage from all of these these crazy films so awesome
1: so i guess um where can everybody get all this stuff, Barf Bunny, The Degenerates, you know, where can they get all this stuff. At? And is there anything else you can talk about before we end this? Uh,
0: all my stuff uh, exists under my parent company, Putrid Productions, and the website is putridproductions.bigcartel.com. Uh, and you can buy uh, Barf Bunny and The Degenerates. Uh, both Barf Bunny and The Degenerates have a limited edition box set that's available. I only made 100 units for each one. Both of them come with uh, screen used pieces or screen used props that come with certificates of authenticity, come with posters, come with barf bags, and then they come with the DVD that's signed by the cast and crew. So it's pretty cool. And uh, I, on, I've got less than 10 copies left of the Barf Bunny box set, and I've got maybe 20 or 30 copies left of the Degenerates box set. So they're going to be gone pretty soon, but you can also get this standard edition. Uh, but also on there through my label Vile video, uh, there's a whole bunch of other uh, releases coming out uh, this year. Uh, in, in February, I'm going to be putting out Jesse Sites Anthology Fucked. So that's something to be looking out for. Uh, I'm also going to be putting out the second entry in uh, Marcus Cook's Symbolicus Volume 2. So that's going to be coming out this year as well. Um, and otherwise, you ch- check out my YouTube channel, Cinema's Underbelly, and my podcast, The Uneasy Train Explorers Club. And check out Sick on Cinema, as <laughs> yeah. you guys oh, <laughs> Thank
1: you. We really appreciate it, man. You know, I just want to say, like, you've really brought, like, I, I, I genuinely think there's like a legitimacy and like a, Analytical look at a genre that's been undermined for so long. So we really appreciate you and all that you've done for this genre and
0: continued success. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I really like uh, the direction you guys are going into. Uh, I love, I love, I, I honestly listen to your guys' stuff all the time. So it's fr- uh, it's really, I really like seeing, uh, I don't know, people succeed and uh, and see and see you guys glow up as well. So it's pretty cool.
2: We fucking made it.